Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up, in our very humble opinion. Today, we're talking about how to direct episodes of Emmy and BAFTA-nominated TV series, including Wallander, My Mad Fat Diary, Sherlock and The Crown, with BAFTA-nominated director Benjamin Caron. I am Giles Alderson, co-writer and director of the psychological horror film The Dare and the World of Darkness feature documentary and producer of pitch black horror comedy A Serial Killer's Guide to Life. Joining me is the director of Freakout, Stalled, Goblin and the soon-to-be-released Fanged Up is Christian James. Hello, Christian. Hi, Giles. How are you doing? I'm all right. You mate. forgot Night Feed, Channel 4. Thing. I did forget yeah, Night Feed, but that. don't worry, that's... you put it in. So oh, yeah, that's it's all right. It's so good. How are you doing, buddy? You all right? I'm all right, I'm all right. Good. Um, how many people have since watched Goblin since last week's episode? Oh, I didn't check. Did you not? I'll best give back and check, actually. Yeah, you should. I'll look into that. Is he um, nagging you? <laughs> just a I little. I think he might be. Just a little, be. Ben. Um, we are, we are coming at you from Just Voices Studio. It's a rather brilliant studio, very reasonably priced. And if you want a central London studio without the central London prices, this is the place for you. Visit them at justvoicesagency.com. Speak to Simon. Speak to Lee. They're amazing here. I've just dropped them off some chocolates because that's how good they are. And uh, that's how uh, nice they are. Why have they got chocolates and I have not got chocolates? Oh, I didn't realise you needed yeah. chocolates, CJ. Thank you. Right, that's very much. You got chocolates. Yeah, got chocolates. You get them after if you've okay. been good. All that's right. what happens. I'll try. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Britpod, Scene, on all those things. Uh, visit our website, thefilmmakerspodcast.com. Follow us are at filmmakerspod on Twitter and share and like as much as you can it's important we love it and why not check out our previous podcasts while you're there it's with the Kingsman actor Mark Strong chatting in depth about working with directors Vaughan, Scott, Richie and Boyle or why not the Stolen Team chatting about how to make an indie western starring Jack Davenport and Alice Eve or our ep with director Sam Miller talking about directing TV series Luther and Relic or why not listen to our incredible episode with director Paul Knight and the inside story of a landscape of lies and the 19.6 million tax scam prison sentences for the producers and how he rose above it all and will be releasing his film seven years later that's a two-parter it's epic it's brilliant it's really worth listening to if you're an indie filmmaker so joining us today to talk filmmaking is director ben Karen. hello ben how are you doing yeah i'm good thanks for having me you look very well thank you good Sounding seen, good too. I know. I haven't seen you for. You said ten years. I think it's longer. Well, you always think it's longer. Yeah, you do. Uh, you? I, I think. I think it was about two thousand and five, two thousand and six. Mm-hmm. It was my first foray into scripted drama. It, it wasn't quite sort of the conventional scripted drama because it mm-hmm. was sort of part scripted and then it sort of had a part um, sort of reality to it, doesn't it? We, we, it, we, it was called the. It was called Sam King, uh-huh. which rhymes with something else, and it was set in. And it was uh, it was sort of loosely based on that um, Michael J. Fox uh, movie, which I can't remember the Secret name of. Secret of Success. Yes, yes, where he starts yeah. in a postal room, doesn't he? Yeah. Why did I guess uh, that? I was going to go for, I was going to jokingly go through his whole catalogue, but uh, I got it straight you, you away. Could, straight away. Yeah. So he starts the postal room and he sort of wants to be an AR man. So yeah. we had uh, Sam King and Giles was uh, Sam King's boss at yeah. Universal. I played an arsehole. Uh, and it was nice. for... It was for Bebo, Bebo which everyone's like, Bebo? What's Bebo? There was a brief moment. Uh, Bebo was sort of one of those online I remember, yeah. uh, s- social. It was. Uh, well, going to be a sort of Facebook. Well, because I did um, yeah. the other big YouTube, YouTube. The one before that. I did the one yeah, before, you did the first one. Which didn't was you? called 
Kate Modern, That's which right. got BAFTA nominated and everything, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy. Just put that in Just there. Just drop that. <laughs> well, yeah. but do you know what I mean? If you're yeah. going to be BAFTA nominated, yeah, yeah. I no, wasn't Well, we were, we were obviously yeah. in, in your shadows. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it was, and there were just sort of, I think there were like five, ten minutes little episodes about sort of five times a week. It was mad. We had, you know, we literally given, uh, it was a really small crew. It was me, a camera operator and a sound person. Mm-hmm. We were given sort of full reign at Universal offices, which down in Kensington. Which yeah. look amazing. Uh, which do look amazing. Yeah. This was sort of natural set. And then we were just running around making it all up largely. I mean, yeah. We obviously had some scripts. We, we, had, went, we went to Ibiza for some mad Ibiza. week. We were running around yeah. staying. Were you in filming this... or was it just you started? No, 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 no we were filming anyways. because yeah. there were bands <laughs> out there. You know, it was a bit of a... Well, no, we were working like through... Because you have to film the stuff and then edit it through the night and the next day starts. And so it was, it was, it was pretty full on yeah. uh, sort of making and delivering this. And we were staying in this really quite sort of grubby hotel in San Antonio where you'd come down in the morning at six it and there'd was... be like blood across the floor and sort of people passed out everywhere from the sort of... <laughs> still going, night. dance music still going, yeah, yeah, wasn't it? Was, so it, was, there it was kind of non-stop. Um, but, but yeah, that... Big, big, like the Saturdays were in it and so were... Um, Pussycat Dolls. Pussycat Dolls, yeah. 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 All of them or just... Well, it, it was, was, that was a de- I think that was part of the whole package because mm. it was Universal it was about promoting their uh, artist bands and sort of trying this... Uh, I'm making this up. I mean, these made it worse. <laughs> I think it's Cross-filtering of sort of drama and music and how those two things... Yeah. Multi-platform. There we go. Yeah, multi-platform. It did wonderfully well, didn't it? I'm sure. Uh, I think for all those sort of 12 to 16 year olds, it was it was perfect. It was uh, popular enough to yeah. get by. So look, I'm just going to run down a few of your credits. Here we go. Just so everyone knows uh, Ben's background. Oh, Began working television career, uh, making factual programs, music videos for a number of artists, including Jay Z. Yeah, I've got down here. Um, a young Jay Z. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, obviously, of course, a young well, Jay Z. Oh, but I, how? Where was he in his career? <laughs> Of course, uh, he was younger. Where, where, I think mid mid part of his career, he was, oh, okay, pretty big. Yeah. it was when he played at Glastonbury. Oh, okay. Um, so he was. Yeah. So yeah, no, he was pretty. He was He's pretty much fish. out there. Yeah, they. Yeah. Um, I had a call from a, a producer, Henrietta Conrad, who mm. who said. Um, so uh, it's a bit of an odd one, this. Uh, Jay-Z's playing at Glastonbury. Noel Gallagher has come out and said, hip-hop at Glastonbury, no fucking way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jay wants to make a sort of a film that plays before he comes out on stage, which is a sort of a uh, a kind of finger up at the the naysayers and, and also sort of show some of the supporters. So we, we made know. a very early mashup, which was... Which was fun to do but it basically involved using lots of sort of news clips and and sort of real fans and not fans being interviewed and sort of mashing the whole thing up but it meant that you could sort of have a little bit of fun with using sort of well-known people whether it be politicians sort of either condoning it or supporting it and we sort of threw all that together and then at Glastonbury it sort of played three it was about three and a half minutes in front of about 200,000 people which was extraordinary to see you know normally you make your work and it sort of goes out into ether and sort of people sit in the living rooms or on their iPhones or on their Experience no, you don't it, yeah. experience it. Right? I mean, but that's actually, and it, you know, there were people laughing and cheering, and so that that was quite a sort of. Uh that must have been incredible. Formidable. How did that yeah. come about? Obviously, you just got a call, but they must have known who you were at that well, point. Well, no, I, I think the producer said, yeah, we can do that. And then she was like, who who, who do I know that could probably throw that together in a week? And uh, <laughs> and, I, and I think I just left Princess or, or left there as a director and was sort of making other music videos. And she just called me up. Tried the Kate Modern guys first. Yeah, yeah, yeah trying yeah, to get Kate them. Modern, yeah, I wonder yeah. Sam Kim. No, no, yeah. Kate Modern. <laughs> Sam Kim, yeah, he's around. He can do it. much cheaper. Um, <laughs> and we, was, what the mad thing was, we'd finished, we delivered it on the Friday night and sent it to Glastonbury they were like we've got to have it 24 hours before it's going to be tech checked and all that sort of stuff yeah. so we'd finished in so and we were having like glass of champagne about sort of 6 o'clock going you know this is great it's made a video for Jay-Z mm. went home that night and we were watching I was with my wife uh, we were watching um 
Jonathan Ross and Jay. Who was a guest on Jonathan so Ross? Jay was on Jonathan Ross. Oh, he's on, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I just preempted it. Well done. Thanks. Well, I'm happy accident. made a film, it's pretty cool. And I spoke to him once, but you know, I hadn't actually met him in person, spoke to him on the phone. Yeah. And then the show finished, and then the producer phoned me up, and I was like, oh, okay. She's like, I'm here, Jonathan Ross. I was like, great, yeah, I've just seen the show. She goes, I'm sitting next to Jay. He wants to talk to you. I was like, okay, Brad. So he gets on the phone, he's like, Ben, Ben, he's very smooth, very smooth, he's kind of conic, kind of crab. He's like, love the videos. He's like, great, great job. It's really cool. It's gonna be great. He says, um, "I'm sitting next to Bono." All <laughs> uh, oh, right, say hello. Uh, and uh, he says he's had a really good idea. And I was like, and then that sort of sinking. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. And he's like, he thinks um, we should put the Beatles. All you need is love, and you know, mix it into the already cacophony of sound that was basically in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sort of put that as a kind of underbelly and the whole thing. And I was like, right. And I was mm. like, what do you think about that? He's like, yeah, it's a great idea. We should do it. Right, and of course, you're not then going to go, but I've delivered the tape yeah, and it's yeah. going out. Um, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah no, let, let's see what we can do. Um, just pop the producer back on the phone. <laughs> and and I was like, yeah, you've heard the idea. She's heard the idea. So she said, I don't know. I said, right, okay, let me think about this. So I, I managed to phone a friend of mine called Sloan who works at a company called Human. They they compose music for commercials and various, and, and films. And they, he was literally just leaving the office at sort of, I don't know, what, seven o'clock, eight, eight o'clock in the evening. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, Sloan, I need to go back. I need to remix this whole you know, this whole film mm-hmm. through the night and deliver it at seven o'clock in the morning. So basically I had to go back in, remix the whole thing, put the beats in, which I also was like, Jay, do we get do we clearance? Yeah. 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 It, yeah. Well, he was like, no, no, don't worry about it. I know them. They'll be fine. I'm like, like, the Beatles are another Apple music are not litigious in any way. Shape, yeah, exactly. Or form. Yeah. I, love that. No, I know. Uh, I was like, well, <laughs> the producer can deal with that. Yeah, and then, exactly. so we sort of went through the night, re-delivered it and then went off to Glassbury that went out. But I still don't think it was a good decision. I think it was better with that. But, right. uh, but have you still you got know. both versions? So yeah, you know, I have. Yeah. You can have a compare and contrast. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't, trained to be a director you know i studied you know i studied english i didn't go to any school to you were a work teacher, out right? yeah yeah then i yeah trained as a teacher yeah, yeah. and then i was more and interested very good and i was sort of more interested in theater and i love photography and i love film and i haven't really worked out that all those three things meant yeah. well, actually i could you know i was in, i told you earlier, i was interested in acting when we were doing sam king you were pretty much doing darren brown at the same time right because i remember you talking about it yeah and you couldn't say too much yeah now you made this um the heist yeah for Channel 4 do you yeah. remember the heist oh, no I re-watched all the Darren Brown stuff only like a year ago wow. on all so four. good yeah it's amazing so good the heist being one of them so how did you mm. get the attention of Darren Brown or how did you sidestep come into to that, that? Um, he'd obviously seen Sam King and went yeah, I want yeah, that guy he went, I yeah. don't want that Kate Modern thing I want no. the Sam <laughs> King the Sam thing. King guy did the Jay-Z yeah. thing uh, <laughs> that, that was a little bit later so I, I uh, in my last year at university I, I, all my friends sort of had jobs lined up of course they did they were all sort of being you know dragged yeah. into various sort of city jobs and all that sort of stuff and I was going I mean, that's what the teaching was good because I thought I could supply teach while trying to get yeah, theatre jobs. Sure. And I met this girl um, in a nightclub it's in Exeter, uh, yeah, standing by the women's toilet, but only because I'd seen her earlier and we'd had a little moment, little moment and I'd lost contact. her and I thought the only way I could find her again was, was hanging standing. by the toilet. Sounds by really the creepy. Yeah, it so it really creepy. It, it wasn't does. creepy. Now it uh, does. How's yeah. it? Uh, and, uh, and we got <laughs> on and she worked for the Big Breakfast, yeah. uh, oh. Planet 24, and she said, you should apply to Planet 24 and this other company called Princess Productions. They do a graduate trainee scheme where you can go in as a researcher and they'll, um, you know, and you start working work straight away on whether it's light entertainment, documentary. So that, so that was, they basically, I did five years there and, and they sort of prom- promoted me up 
quite quickly. I sort mm. of got hold of camera and was sort of doing documentaries and various. And then I left. And off the back of that, I had a meeting with Objective. And they were sort of saying, you know, you in- I love magic. As a, as a kid, I was obsessed with magic. I was yeah. part of the Beaudly Magic Circle. Because I, I know of- Marvin um, Burglass really well. Oh, wow. He's amazing. He's a really I good mean, friend he, of mine. Okay, he's a hero. He's great. He's he? a legend. Yeah. Really so, so, I mean, I, I've, I'm nowhere near as esteemed friends as that. It was like the local guy and the, you know, in the village doing some sort of close magic but um I, I used to go you know when i was a waiter i used to do close-up magic to basically get tips and then yeah. my mum ran an old people's homes so used to go and do magic shows for them and wow. so i loved magic anyway so they and they objective was sort of that was the kind of their thing yeah and they were like you know we'll come and meet darren and we i met him in a in a pub somewhere near tower bridge and he talked about the heist and what they were thinking mm. about and that was and I, th- I remember talking about the so what he said oh we want to basically take some people and see if we can persuade them to commit armed robbery without ever actually yeah. telling them to do it exactly it was great it was yeah. so good how did you go about directing something like that because it's it's almost documentary style right yeah i think it was a sort of well i guess it was a mix of uh i mean again just film references you know i've talked about the the game cypher looking mm. at uh sort of crossover of ways they had approached certain sort of scenes dramatically and how we could maybe sort of try and transfer that in to the high. So there were the sort of big set pieces which we could get around. And then and then there was the more um, sort of covert camera work and sort of finding inventive ways to do that that doesn't sort of feel, um, mm. that, that can feel, feel cinematic. And then the end was just uh, about getting as many cameras, angles and, yeah. and sort of as you possibly can and then... Uh, and we were all in a little cafe with a sort of steady camera there and waiting to do it. And then, yeah. you know, and then they literally, when they realized it was going, they run up the street and about 100 extra came out and swarmed on them. We were sort of on top of them. And then they get taken to this weird sort of debriefing white dome where they're sort of brought back to normality. But like, I mean, the whole thing, you know, it's, he's got a wonderful, wonderful mind. And, and it's all, you know, it's all sort of showmanship and it's mm. all... Uh, yeah. It was quite shocking. I remember sort of Daily Mail coming out and calling it something like the sickest stunt ever on British television, which I was very proud of. Very yeah, proud yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. you were BAFTA nominated for that, right? Sure. Yeah, we didn't win. We lost to Anton Deck. <laughs> I know. Uh, I don't know. It was a little shit. Just cut the podcast now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought, I you know, thought. this is the real deal. It's not. So. <laughs> Anton Deck. I mean, they, it's amazing. They, they keep, keep winning, I right? Know, oh. I know. I know. But um, yeah, they. It was first up, and the, yeah, they won. But there we go. There we go. It was like a little sort of independent film going up against yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So then you started to get some TV work. You actually then started to use it straight onto my Mad Fat Diary, right? Obviously, well, no, no, Sam King, Sam King, of yeah, course, yeah, Sam yeah. King. Sam King. Well, Why got... do you keep trying to just diss Sam oh, King, yeah. Well, no one's seen it. Actually, what can you still find? Yeah, you can. You can. Yeah, yeah. It's all on YouTube. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's not bad. You know, there's still that. It's actually not the Ibiza stuff. It's actually really well shot. It looks really good. I think Kate Modern Sam King rivalry here. I can feel it. It's palpable in the room. Well, we were nominated for a BAFTA. Kit <laughs> <laughs> we had a really good editor. We had a commercial editor who was did, really. Yeah, was really, it Kit? Ben. ben no. no, no. Kit was the DOP. Ben Campbell was the editor. Very, very. Yeah, good. Kit Fraser DOP. Um, so so jumped. So from Darren Brown, you got an agent then. Got an agent, ah, right? Yeah, okay. that was the thing. So you go hunting for an agent. I wrote to. Hugo Young at he's at Independence yes. mm. and I he's actually the only agent I wrote to wow. I was interested because I, I liked the directors he was representing yeah. and I wrote to him and, I, and obviously you know just off the heist and he said come in for a chat and you know we, we spoke for an hour and he, he what I loved about him is I sort of went in there slightly cock of the walk going right you know let give me a feature film let, let's get going <laughs> yeah. uh, naively so and he sort mm-hmm. of sat me down and he showed me the CV of Edgar Wright um, mm-hmm. Ben Wheatley, Tom Hooper, who had all sort of gone out and started in 
continuing drama. Indeed, so they've done yeah. like Baker, Biker Grove, they've done EastEnders, yeah. they've done Hollyoaks. And he was like, look, this is what you need to go and do. I mean, well, there's two paths. You can sit around trying to make a movie for the next 10 years and, yeah. and, and, and you, you might get it yeah. made and it probably won't be very good. Or you can go out and, and sort of uh, start working in and go and get what he called the flying wings. Then start working with drama, start building relationships, start trying, uh, you know, to start building your CV and, and, you know, working your way up into the drama world. So, I took his you advice. Chose the yeah, I took his <laughs> advice, and I wrote to uh, Holly Oaks, and I sent them Sam King. Was he your agent at that did point? You? Or did yeah, he no, he said take you on, but he also said I'm not going to get you work. Oh, great! Yeah. Cheers then. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Like, right, okay. Right. How does this work then? Right, yeah. What's the percentage? Like giving you, you yeah. how much yeah. for me work? He said you, uh, and it's actually it is very true, right? You are the only person to go in there and get the work mm-hmm. ultimately, and also you know the last job you've done. Uh, you know that is also going to get you the work he mm. I guess at some uh, when you get going he can get you in rooms with people he can yeah. certainly when people phone up and go you know who's around who's available then they can put that in front of them and I think as you develop they then are more important in that relation but early on it's like you've really got to go out there and persuade mm. producers to take a punt on, on you to do that presumably though if you have someone like that as your agent it always helps yeah. to say, you know at the bottom of your email to say I'm represented by, by this guy person, by the oh, way he must be quite good I've never done that. Oh, oh you, you haven't. You should, should do that. Yeah, you should yeah, do yeah, that. You, yeah, you, you might do well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Take more advice from, from us. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I guess maybe that's yeah. That is a litmus test of you know an agent that's looked after these the whoever those directors are for them to sign them is also saying to producers, I kind of see something in this person. Yeah, so yeah, course. that's definitely true. Um, so I think it's harder. I don't know. I think I don't know. It's hard. To get work without having an agent mainly just because of all the contractual stuff and mm. all that sort of stuff I think producers just want to feel that that is being taken care of yeah, sure. professionally and not having to deal with you because it's very difficult to have um, you know money pay, conversations, money conversations yeah. with you and so yeah. that that sort of just distances you slightly from that so you got so Hollyoaks they obviously turned around and said well, yeah they, well they, they went yeah yeah <laughs> we like Sam King like, woo yeah, we like went, we like the guy they, Sam King yeah, he's great liked, yeah he was great really like that uh, boss guy he was great can you get him in Hollyoaks <laughs> yeah. he's, like, he's, he's not doing he's it. not he's doing Hollyoaks he's, he's got busy. BAFTA nominated <laughs> yeah. uh, the, uh, the, well, they were like they. What, I don't know whether they do this anymore but they used to do a sort of a uh, you would so normally a block is five episodes, yeah, and you would go in and and uh, so a director would do a block of five, and that would be the Monday to Friday of that week. They for new directors coming in, they would um, partner you up with a sort of more experienced Hollyoaks director, and you would do two episodes. And depending on how they went, they would give you a full block. How would they partner you up with another director? So what would that entail? As in, you shadow. So them, I would or? just no. So I would yeah, I'd be with them while they're sort of shooting their three. So out of the five, they'd be shooting three, right? And I would be shooting two, and they would then be around to sort of help you or give you advice while you're shooting that. Getcha. And right. is it very? I've heard before that uh, those kind of shows can be yeah. quite conveyor belt. You've got literally a almost a conveyor belt of sets, and it'll be product. Like yeah. I suppose directors and units just leapfrogging each other. Is that? Is it that? Yes, yeah, it's, ca- it's it's can be quite chaotic. There are a number of units shooting at mm. one time, so there are moments where you have to can't film because you're waiting for another shoot to finish that yeah. scene and then shoot. So that's it, it's a it's a really good introduction into working at 
pace you know mm. the number of pages that you're being asked to shoot every day can yeah. be something like sort of 50 you know 15 minutes a day which is you know it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot mm. maybe even higher uh, up to 20 so you're having to uh you know you have to think very quickly on your feet you're having to mm. rationalize you know your ambition you know you're not going to suddenly make ben her yeah. so uh and 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 then, then i guess it's well do you go in and just do the conventional sort of shooting uh two shot or, over the or yeah the y2 shot yeah. that sort of or do you go in and try and be bold but risk the you know risk sort of being slightly pulled apart because is it part of the whole dna of the show so i they have these lovely sort of um pre-title sequences which is sort of where they go oh, as the director you, you you go and do that you know do that's your little nice, moment yeah. you, you want i know you want to go and shine that's really and the rest you, you know just make sure you just stay just on get the stay on, yeah, stay yeah, on time stay on target uh, and so I went up and did this sort of uh, frozen kind of bullet time where we had like all these sets and actors sort of, you, you know, like the first thing you do at acting school is mm. you like be a tree and totally, stand, yeah, be completely still. So all these actors were completely still and we had all this art department dressing that was sort of frozen in mid action and we were sort of moving all the camera around. So I guess I went in there with the challenge like, well, there's only... Do the best job you can possibly, but make sure you shine enough so you can get the next job after that. Sure, yeah. Um, so yeah, I went and did two, and they invited me back to do five or another, nice. you know, another block. Um, it was, you know, move move up to Liverpool. You know, that's that's also challenging if you've got family or you're with yeah, someone in London. You're yeah. up in Liverpool. I stayed in a bed and breakfast of like twelve pounds a night with Doreen, who includes breakfast. Lovely Doreen. And you just you and you're just the lovely Doreen. She was very lovely. <laughs> and uh, and you're there and you're just there in the family, the Hollyoaks family, and you're sort of making these shows. So, so then you did. Um, <laughs> You did uh, Scott and Bailey, yep. Skins. That was that was my Cagney and Lacey in Manchester. Yeah, it's brilliant now. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. First season of that. But that was setting up a whole new show. Oh, so that's different because you're starting from the beginning, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that must have been amazing. Skins must have been great yeah, to brilliant. get involved in. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was... That, that was that was the first time you could be, I felt I was being really inventive with camera work, with music, with sort of storytelling. You know, some of the other shows were still in that more sort of conventional mode, but but Skins was, uh, was yeah, a great, a great sort of experience. Yeah, I can imagine. That must have been so good. And plus actors who really wanted to learn, right? Yeah, and they've and, all gone, you know, all those actors have sort of gone yeah. on to great things, you know, whether it's Nicholas Holt, whether it's Deb Patel, mm-hmm. whether... Uh, Jack O'Connell, Indeed, you know, they've yeah. always a, it was been an amazing training ground, and all and, you know, a lot of those actors were generally discovered from uh, UK international, you know, or casting, sort of mm-hmm. going around seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of young teenagers, and then sort of bring them all down to sort of twenty, and then finally down to ten, and just seeing how that whole. Um, sort of entourage work together mm. um, and then also bringing in young writers and then with uh with brian the the sort of showrunner and jamie the sort of father and son but bringing in loads of writers who were sort of 18 19 to get that voice mm. and 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 then use the experience of sort of brian to sort of make it all kind of work yeah, and presumably cool. something you can shape unlike say Hollyoaks, for example this is something you can shape more and put a little bit more stamp on as a director. definitely yeah no they they positively encourage that that's yeah. that's that's what they want you to do they don't they want someone to come and shooter they want someone to come in and and you know find a sort of a young sort of spirit in in yeah in the making of it yeah so then yeah you went on to do uh my mad fat diary after yeah. that um we'll jump through a little bit just yeah. so we can get to the really juicy ones which yeah. is even you know it's done so much work you made the tommy cooper not like that biopic for yeah. itv David Throwful, yeah. yeah, I know for Left Bank, um, mm-hmm. and I did the Damned United with Tom Hooper as yep. well for Left Bank, um, and then you directed the final feature-length episodes of Wallander. All three of them, yeah. All three of them. Was that your intro? Multi- to BAFTA K- winning. 
Yes. Ken, darling. Yes, it was. How did that Sir come Ken. about Sir with Ken. Sir Ken? Because you've now done so much work with Sir Ken directing <laughs> theatre productions him. I love as him. well. He's the loveliest man in the world. Here's the, here's the best... Uh, chuckle of any person I ever know, but he and he's also the hardest working. He's a real Protestant working ethic. He's the hardest working man I know. Um, this is Kenneth Branagh, just in case. Oh yeah, so actually say his surname. Yeah. Uh, he, so uh, so off the back of the Tommy Cooper uh, biopic, which was with Left Bank Productions, so Andy Harris, the producer that had made Wallander. You know, when they set up Left Bank, Wallander was one of their sort of first shows. They, they I watched it in with. Sweden, actually. Uh, the Swedish version. Swedish version. I know they're really really I'm good. really yeah, amazing. Yeah. So Andy, you know, he said, "Are you interested in Wallander?" I was like, "I'd love that." show i'd seen you know right from the very beginning when uh you know when it first came out and they you know they'd won loads of baftas mm-hmm. it was sort of the beginning of that nordic noir yeah. um and he is you know he's just captivating as is an actor and you know that was his vehicle this sort of show um and and it was this was the final you know the last three mm-hmm. so i was like yes so they were like okay you need to meet him so he, you know we, we had a meeting in left bank and he came in and he talked a lot about the process of how i was making tommy cooper and i think he really respected the fact that there was sort of space to allow actors to perform that mm-hmm. you know that I'd sort of maybe come from uh you know working with actors and 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 making sure that there was exactly that there was a safe space that there was a permission to fail mm-hmm. on set that it wasn't just about being here's the shot you stand there and do that how yeah. do you do that yeah how do you so how do you give actors space what do you what, what's your well process i think my to... thing, well uh, let's come back to that uh, <laughs> hold that for later yeah yeah hold that for later that's a long long uh well maybe it's a short answer um I, uh, my thing is giving actors a permission to fail. And what I mean by that is that, you know, you, you're always coming in and you're, uh, are you going to do something safe or are you going to push something? How far are you going to push something? And obviously we always want to push something to the mm-hmm. point you go, okay, we've gone too far. Yeah. But if they don't feel, if actors don't feel that they're trusting you to sort of look out for that or that you are uh, being allowed to play and try stuff out, then there's a tendency just to sort of go back to what I've prepared and what I know is mm. not mm. safe, but what I can kind of feel that I, I, I can do this. And I think my job is to sort of take them out of that comfort zone and and to throw new ideas into the performances. Because my 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 thing on set is if you're you know if you're doing a, a shot and that and you've got that performance in its entirety and you sort of feel that's good confidence rather than just do the same again which you know some people just go mm-hmm. do it again why not sort of then go in and try and uh, upset that upset that equilibrium and try and and then yeah. that can be not that can be a, a note to the actual actor sometimes it could be a note to the actor that's not even on camera so i often do that so you know making something more difficult for them to try and unravel and unpick so because i think you uh, i think as an actor you just want to be sort of constantly surprised and mm-hmm. and pushed to yeah be taken outside your comfort zone. Yeah. So I think he responded well to all of that, and and obviously I think he'd seen Tommy. Well, he had seen Tommy <laughs> Cooper and, and sort of loved that. And, yeah. Um, then so yeah. he was out in in New York doing that Scottish King's Scottish play, play yeah. Yeah. and uh, hit the Armory, and I thought. Well, I'm just going to fly myself out there and go and see it. And you hadn't got the job at this point. No, I hadn't. Ooh, I hadn't quite got the job. Clever. So in I, danger of looking slightly stalkerish as well. Slightly <laughs> stalkerish. But you went just fuck it. Got... Yeah, fuck it. And also, I could get tickets, and it was all sold out. It was in a limited run. Oh, and so it was you, him. did you use yeah, the must say Ken, give me some tickets. Well, I spoke, yeah, I asked his people, and they went, yeah, yeah. we can get your ticket. We'll do that. Yeah, so we it. went along, saw it, and then caught up afterwards. And I think it was it was pretty much done. It wasn't like I hadn't knocked the job, but mm. I just yeah. thought. Go out there, shows with show yeah. yeah. just you know we're <clears throat> about to work together intensely for the next sort of six months. Let's you know it's important that we sort of develop that relationship. And then would have been great if you'd actually hated his performance. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, yeah. Ken, you were shitting. I've got some, I've I got some notes. Much better. I've got some notes. Um, <laughs> no, get off. Yeah. Uh, 
and then we, yeah, then we started in. We you know we went to to Malmo to Usta, which mm. is down the southern tip of Sweden, and we started shooting. I was meant to be just doing the last two, so there were three. So the last two were the companion pieces, which is sort of his his plot spoiler, but I'm sure people have seen people it. Already, yeah, not yeah, yeah, anyway, but he, he he sort of gets early onset Alzheimer's, which is far mm. as I had, and it sort of it becomes much more of a character driven film mm-hmm. then maybe in the past it was a mixture of sort of uh procedural stuff and mm. character whereas this was much more sort of a real sort of character driven uh performance from him and who else but you know mm. get to that and the first one was set in it was meant to, was set in south africa um it was called the white lioness and my 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 sort of uh plan was to finish shooting december go to south africa because they had a tax deal out there edit the two films pop right. into the cutting room in the morning go down to the beach in the afternoon with Brilliant. my nice. wife you know have yeah. some fun times it's been a tough shoot pretty Perfect much rain the entire time <laughs> and then and they were going to shoot the the first film out there and then and then um a week into shooting, I sort of saw the producer who uh, basically hadn't slept for like a week. And I think things mm-hmm. just weren't going that well. Um, right. So actually, Andy Harris, the producer, told me at the beginning, it's like, look, just to warn you, on Wallander, it's a sort of with directors, it's kind of a 50-50 success rate. Oh, oh okay. How so? And, 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 you know, probably a rabbit hole, we've got to be careful going down. But a little bit. What? Just success rate that, sure. that people slightly get overwhelmed with it and have mm. uh, can't sort of have a breakdown. Or, what are the uh, Because there's so much to do, right? The typical pitfalls of like, what might yeah. a director, what traps might a director step in or landmines might they step on? Uh, I, okay, that's an interesting question. Uh, some of the traps you, you could fall into, I, I think you can get too obsessed with, uh, look, this is my version, right? Yeah, every sure. director has a very different... Thank, thankfully, <gasps> every director has a different approach to making their films. And, and I think that shows when you watch them. My mm. personal preference, and, and what I think sometimes people, directors can get lost in, it, is spending too much time planning and getting locked into how they see those sequences put together. Sure. Now, th- now, I say that, but in something like horror that is actually really important because what you're doing is you're doing a choreography and there's almost there's a hidden hidden language to that yeah. they need to follow but whereas in drama and you're asking actors to come in and uh, you know the, the good actors will always work with you if you're sort of interested in where the light is and the blocking of it but I think you need to be open sometimes to uh, actually finding the truth of this scene mm. and if you sort of sit down and I go right I want actor a to be sitting there and i need him to take a sip from that drink there at that moment and then walk over to there mm-hmm. to open that window and that to be like all that is possible but you are somehow i think you're somehow restricting it before you've possibly given it, it a chance formulaic and slightly or yeah. you've given it chance to maybe uh surprise you yeah. that's not to say that you're you know it's not important to understand the status of the scene to work out where is the status the same who's got higher status who's got lower status does it change and can you as a filmmaker represent that in uh you know in, in the filming of the blocking of it mm-hmm. uh, you know Orson wells you know he was the king of doing that so mm. I think you can always have that in the back of your head and sometimes certainly on Wallander I did a whole mood book which you know we went to all the locations and we looked at where we were going to stage a lot of the scenes and I'd taken some sort of uh, some bold images that weren't going to be the whole scene but maybe the mm. way in or out or moments within there and I shared that with 
with Ken and you know which he loved and he loved all that prep work and then some of those actually did materialize on the screen mm-hmm. some of them just didn't work for really good reasons actually if I'd forced it it would have felt wrong for the drama so I guess what I'm trying to say be prepared but also on the day be prepared to sort of rip it all up and, it and, and go yeah. yeah and I know people say that but it's a it's a hard thing and, and sometimes that's actually just trusting yourself and and your instincts and maybe that takes a while to build up so yeah and sometimes you can just put a camera on something and let the Completely. Actors do their thing. And yeah, I'll, yeah. I mean, to learn that. I think hunger. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. a classic. Yeah, 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 yeah. That 20, 20 minute scene. So, yeah. so I, I interrupted. Yeah. So you're back going to back Africa. to South Africa. Yes. So what happened? Oh well. So then it wasn't really working out with the with the director, and I think it was uh, for whatever reason that was, and I mm. think it was maybe just the wrong. It's not. He's doing incredibly well now. He's working with Danny Ball. It's just sometimes the director and, you know, you're, you're building together a team and you're building a business almost from sure. scratch and you're hoping that everyone's all going to get on. And sometimes that, that, you know, it's, it's, it, sometimes those things just don't work and, and you have to sort of, you have to act quite quickly. Yeah. So on the Sunday, I sort of got a call and was like, can you come in? And I think because we'd had a really great experience doing the other two mm. and, and they just wanted, uh, the sort of solidity of that and so it was like here's the script can you start tomorrow wow. having not met any of the actors or having not met at any of the locations yeah. and I sort of remember at four o'clock in the morning uh, Charlotte my wife came in and was like you need to go to bed and I'm like I've been picked up in like an hour <laughs> you know? and then and, and, and so that whole shoot was very much like just day by day and you know having to sort of just mm. you know slightly you're on the back foot along. from the start basically yeah, yeah. so the reason up. you didn't get to go down to the beach in your afternoon yeah, yeah. was because had, you had were doing slog, the final yeah. ever episode of yeah. Wallander yeah it's not a bad which was actually thing. the first one weirdly weirdly no yeah. I've done the no no because they, they oh I see because yeah, they've yeah. done it the wrong way around okay yeah. Yeah. Right, so it's your first one, but you'd already done the last two. The last two, two yeah, which I'm, I'm really, really proud of. The first one I'm proud of, but I, I don't really feel like I own that. I mean, and because you're, you know, part of the director is also being involved in the script process. Yeah, and, and the whole and, act, and, casting, and the casting, whole casting, yeah. and the locations, mm-hmm. and so that all felt... Which must have been weird, because when you're saying to your friends and family and, and peers, I'll watch my episodes of Wallander, but yeah. to, to just ignore the first one I did a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah, <laughs> little but it's bit. really hard to then explain what that is. I know, so exactly. You sort of go, you along, sort of go along with it. Um, so, so Wallander must have been amazing. Great experience, yeah. right? So let's let's talk about Sherlock, because then you jumped into Sherlock, and I know Rupert Graves very well. He's a good friend of mine. Played Football, he was in that uh, just, thank you mate he's coming on the podcast coming up talk about his film Native by the right way back. so that was a little plug for him as well for that so he's him and Dan Fitzsimmons are coming on to talk about their new film my wife had a massive crush on his bottom just his bottom well I think not him as well but his bottom do you remember do you not remember he, in uh, The Merchant Ivory yeah, um, from room, room, room with a view, view yeah and he played something I something. can't remember the character that's terrible or, I mean I get shot and everything yeah. but uh, yeah so that so she was although he was in Scott Bailey so I worked with him on that a bit course, he was the yeah. uh, bad boyfriend in that but um, yeah no he's brilliant Rupert he, he's got like sort of half a million children hasn't he sort of yeah, half uh, a million children something yeah. like that and, and a great bum yeah, and, and a great, great bum but there's a, fa- there's a really famous shot of him running down to the fountain that's and right. he's mm. basically sort of semi-naked I think it was like one of his first <laughs> ever yeah, roles it probably was there we go Yeah, you could you should bring that up with him I will I'll say how's your bottom yeah Ben Ars so now you're directing Sherlock again how did that come about you're flying at this point 
now you're crushing. You, yeah, well, <laughs> but you, you're not. It's Kenneth, Sir Kenneth Branagh, and you're, yeah. you're now Sherlock coming in, and we'll get to the crown in um, a second. That came about because Ian Johnson, who's a publicist who called Ian Johnson PR, he works across um, left bank shows, so like Wallander, and mm. also does um, Sherlock and Hartswood shows. And Sue Virtue was sort of talking to him and going, you know, who 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 uh, who's out there at the moment? He, and he said, you know, you should look at Ben's work. And then I went in to meet her we we had a sort of coffee down in uh Chiswick and then she and it was it was like basically I just finished the crown and I and I I was kind of promising to take a bit of time off because it'd been sort of a you know a, yeah. a, a hard 12 months grafting and not really spending enough time with my family so the plan was to maybe sort of take three months off okay. I know that sounds very luxurious but if you're working 12 months and you're sort of sure. then yeah, three yeah. months totally, of use totally weekends fine, and, that's yeah. that. and then to maybe then go back into season two of the crown mm. and then but i i genuinely love sherlock and so when she said you know would you like to do the final episode um called you know the final problem with sherlock i sort of was like of course so I, yeah, I, i'd love to and and i you know i really wanted to work with benedict i wanted to work with martin mm. i wanted to work with Rupert again and <laughs> and and i I thought as a as a director sort of um coming off the crown it was a sort of without sounding too wanky it was sort of uh maybe uh stretching a different muscle yeah. in terms of the sort of more visuals mm-hmm. than necessarily a sort of more grown-up version of of the crown because well, it's um, so visual isn't it i mean the sherlock is it's the flashy images yeah. it's all the his yeah. thoughts the process that words on screen so you get to work with all these amazing people yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch, martin freeman yeah. rupert graves and there's so many other great people and andrew scott so yeah and you yeah, yeah, brought, i brought moriarty back he brought, was, you brought yeah, moriarty yeah, yeah. back Back in his helicopter, and he sort of lands on this uh, on this island in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, so, how much prep goes into that? Because you, you you mentioned there about twelve months on the Crown. Yeah. And that was just the first season. We'll yeah. come to in a minute. So, how much time goes into doing that final episode of Sherlock for yeah. you as a director? Uh, I think that the, the prep we had about uh, six or seven weeks before. Okay. Uh, and then the shoot, uh, I think, was about six weeks. It's uh, 90 minutes, isn't it? Yeah, of yeah. course. So it's literally feature film. That's it's... not as long prep-wise. I don't know why. No, I thought it'd be longer. I, and script-wise, is it mm. there's a script, it's don't you touch that, or how does that... Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's Stephen Moffat and yeah, Mark Gatiss, and so, you know they're yeah. uh, they know what they're doing. It, it's, it's a challenge well, to go in and go. Yeah. You know, mm, I'm not sure about this and that. Word. Yeah. But there, there is definitely there is definitely a conversation about you know after the first draft, does this work? Does that work? And they yeah. sort of go back and do all that. And then that definitely happens. Yeah. Um, the the prep time isn't as much as you would. It, Expect and you know I think I'd been lucky on other shows having a lot more prep time. So, so now uh, your holiday is paying off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, being a thing on your feet was definitely <laughs> yeah. a good thing. And then and some you know and you're, you're the whole question like you're going to build sets, you're going to go on location. Mm. How does all that balance up? And uh, and and so we ended up sort of mixing it up slightly. We went out to because uh, it's in Cardiff. We were up on on the south coast um, to try and find this island, and it all became obsessed about tides coming in and out. How long could we get out to the So it becomes quite sort of it's like sort of German engineering. You're sort of trying yeah. to put all this sort of great uh, planning pieces in so that, you know, and then and then sort of sitting down with your first AD to kind of plan that shoot. But, you know, because in most sort of, it's very difficult to shoot stuff chronologically because sometimes you'll be going to one location but may happen three or four times in a in a film but a different part. So, mm. so you're often sort of shooting some stuff out of sequence and then it's like some stuff's nights, sometimes days. How does it work with, say, so you've got a team of actors, so let's say Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. and Martin Freeman they've yeah. done a lot of this together they've got yeah. a rhythm how do you with say 
how do you know who likes to go first? Who might want to, <laughs> yes. you know, how do you, how do you jump in? Yes, well, okay, especially here, coming in at the end. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that's so that's a really good question. Who go? You mean who goes first on camera? Yeah, just yeah. Okay, like, you've got you got Benedict, you got Martin. Yeah. Like, how do you choose? Do you, know, do you know, I went, I went with Mark. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So the Better. first day were we, like, were, we were in, uh, you know, we were in Baker <laughs> Street, and and to be honest with you, Mark was sort of doing more of the storytelling. Mark Gattis, yeah, right? Mark Gattis, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he was doing more storytelling, and I and I actually talked to both of them beforehand, and I was like, look, uh, I want to put Mark on, I want to put him on first mm. because I think actually he. he, he you're trying to draw something out of him and I want him to put slightly put him under pressure. Yeah. And I'm sure this has probably never happened before. Yeah. And I need you to get on board with that and really, you know, and really sort of push his buttons. Yeah. And, and they were like, great. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So it got rid of any of the, uh, ego out of it. Yeah. And, you know, we shot on Mark and then, and then I think I went to, then I think I went to Martin and then I think I went to Benedict. I guess from then it's uh, just like down to is lighting. There a, and what's is the there an issue with that, with, with actors at that level? Would anyone be fussy about that? I think that? it can be an issue if you sort of allow it to be an issue. Mm. I think if you sort of uh, deal with it first up, I mean, often you can work out in a scene who really should be going first on camera. And, and, and sometimes, you know, you've got to, you've got to understand what kind of actors they are, as mm. in some actors take a little while to warm up in a scene. Some actors go, I yeah. want my, I've, you know. And my first take's best. Or slightly my first take's yeah. best. Yeah. And, and you have to work out whether that's true. That yeah. might just, I just want to go first and actually. So, so it's a big, it's a lot of um, mind games that sort of go on into it. But as long as mm. they understand that's what you're doing and I'm trying to sort of, Please you know, everyone. make marginal gains in ways that, take you outside of your comfort zone mm. then I think that is, I, I think they got on board with that very quickly and loved it. and that. is this the same for any series you've done is it always you go on it's like right trying to mm. trying to establish that pecking order is always a tricky uh, yeah I try not to give it too much prominence mm. because I think then you're, you know, it, it, I like to think that we're all collaborators together and that we you know we're not sort of who's number one, who's number two, exactly. who's number three. Yeah. We're in a room together. We've all sure. got to make this the best thing possible. Yeah. Um, I, I met when it was uh, actually Ken sort of showed me something that's very interesting because normally as a director, you go in and you spend a long time working on your wide shots mm. and, yeah. and it can take a lot of time and energy mm. and all that sort of stuff. And then you sort of, you know, finally you get to the close up and you're, you know, you're maybe not rushed, but uh, you've just spent way too time on a shot you may not use a lot of depending on what the scene is yes he uh, he said i uh what works for me in the past and actually i, I thought i've used it since then was starting on a close-up of him uh because in that one moment those and and again it was for him and that moment i feel like i'm i'm learning this stuff for the first time mm. and let yeah you know, and actually you can start working your background around the you know the single you've got of your character and so you can start developing that so by the time you come to one you know the wide actually do one take and it's brilliant and everyone's all up and running and it also means when you drop back and you do your mid shots and your long shots they've also got a time to warm up and and actually in Wallander a lot of the stuff you do really use a lot of the long shots and the mid shots you know it's more sort of wider Mm. shot and and then you might just pop in for a bit in the close-up but you've spent a lot more time working in the close-up so when you come back they're all up and running so interestingly uh, on the crown, there's so many yeah. big sort yeah. of wide shots. People have got bigger TVs now. You That's can get true. As well. You know, back in the day, it would be like the little four by three thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Closer, I can't closer. see anyone. And now you go to the cinema and it's all full of close-ups. And you can watch television. <laughs> yeah, everyone's sort of shooting wide again. And plus, all the amount of effort they've spent on making it look good for those wide shots. Anyway, you might as well hang on them long enough because yeah. it's stunning, right? I've I got mean, a confession yeah, yeah. to make. Shall I come out now? Go. I hadn't yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I hadn't seen the crown, and I, as a result of us chatting today, yeah. I was like, "Oh, I have to check out the crown now." Yeah, sorry I, about that. I genuinely yeah. loved it. And it's it's not amazing. People say that because they're like, "Well, I don't want to watch anything about the royal." Why would anyone watch anything about the royals? I, every, I, I did. Every, 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 I wanted to so yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Watched, it's quite I loved split, it. but I, yeah. I think when people come to it, they realise it's actually about family. It's about yeah. power yeah. and politics. Yeah. Yeah. And you politics. know, it, you know, it's kind of like I think you appreciate it's dramatised and no one will be privy to that information therefore mm-hmm. I mean in the same way say Braveheart is dramatised yes, so yeah. uh, I think the only slightly weird thing is that it's recent history and people are still alive but it makes it Very true. Know, it yeah. feels strange at first yeah. but once you get into it I think you know two or three episodes well two episodes in it's mm. for me actually it was the I think maybe episode three the uh, Act of God one mm-hmm. the smog yeah, and then it really—it's mm. more than just a royal family as well. It's it's, it's England in that time as well. It was, so, uh, it's, it's, I thought it was wonderful. I'm always—I'm quite a royalist. I quite like the royal family. I think it's great for Britain, and I think it brings in a lot of money, regardless of you know other opinions and what's going on. I think it's great. So when I heard they were making this, I was like, I can't wait to see it. I wonder what the Queen actually thinks. Does she actually watch it? All those kind of things. But I loved it. Mm. But I thought the performances were outstanding yeah. out of this world Claire yeah, Foy it's, is it's... unbelievable mm. Vanessa um, Kirby Vanessa Kirby outstanding and Matt mm. Smith as well I was like you forget it's Doctor Who yeah. after about the first oh, yeah, five no, minutes got... of the episode and you just believe it do you rehearse did you rehearse I mean cause look when I see it and I look yeah. at some of the singles in it and yeah. I'm like this has got to be rehearsed to hell isn't it or it, feel, it feels very stru- um, structured is the wrong word but it feels very uh, designed yeah designed's a good word like a movie yeah. and how does that come about? Um, you mean each individual film feels like a... a it feels, yeah. it, it feels yeah. storyboarded. It feels like it's crafted. Uh, Whereas I think not... Actually, modern TV, you've definitely got that sense now. But The Crown feels really crafted. Mm. It feels like you've there's been endless pre-production meetings with designers and DOPs. And, because some of it just seems, you know, just spot on it's but beautiful it might be it might just be pure fluke yeah probably pull back the curtain yeah, 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 exactly. no, I mean, CJ no it's no, just they that, just yeah. turn up they go stand there stand yeah, there let's yeah, yeah. turn over see what walk happens walk for it yeah, I'll put the camera there put the camera there done uh, and, and it might be that but well, it doesn't no, feel no, like it's, that it's, it's probably some of that and yeah. some of the other things and it's a whole mismatch I, I, I guess we are very very lucky you know Netflix have been uh, 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 Here's the money, and you go make the show. It's yeah. pretty much like that, really. Um, right. okay. And I think they they realise they've got uh, you know they've got Peter Morgan, you know one yeah. of the greatest uh-huh. writers. Oh, Damn United, there you go. Yeah. Damn United, uh, Frost, <laughs> Nixon, Joel's obviously me. Uh, yeah. You know the Queen, the audience, which then became the Crown. You've yeah, got, you know Stephen Daldry, you've got Andy Harris, you've got yeah. this amazing group of people who have a real uh, you know sort of. Uh, wealth of experience making these shows and I think Netflix were you know who are we to get involved in this there's enough sort of uh, not ego but enough um, talent Talent. and wanting to make this great without us getting involved so that was the first Mm. thing Um, then it was a process of you know having you know our designer Martin Charles is a sort of he did um, Shakespeare in Love Love, yeah yeah, Yeah. Oscar Emmy Golden Globe you know we've got we had Michelle Clapton who'd sort of come off a costume designer come off the back of Game of Thrones Mm. Um, we had an amazing cinematographer called Adriano Goldman who was this Brazilian who'd been working with Stephen and other sort of Hollywood directors and he came over to make so they slowly built all these um the, the collaborators, the, mm. the people that essentially, you know, make this show. And mm. then, and then as a director, you're coming on board. And, you know, in first season, I, I guess the casting process, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of going through that now on season three because we 
you know, we, we're recasting everyone. So oh, we, so we, we start again from scratch and mm. I'm sort of lead director on season three. So it's my responsibility to sort of bring in this new cast, which is terrifying. But when we <laughs> first started, you know, the finding Matt and Claire and, you know, yeah. as soon as they came in and read together, it was immediately obvious they had incredible chemistry. And were so you, that, were you there? Yeah, that, that's what it, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a round at all that. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. what, how does that yeah. happen? Let's talk from people who don't know from the very beginning, you get offered the crown they said we'd like you to come and direct it and then you're involved with the other director. I guess on season one, casting? though, Stephen Daldry was the sort of lead director okay. with that. And first I was. Episode uh, or two, wasn't he? He then? did the first two, two. And I really had to fight to get into that, to get make the show. I basically had about three interviews, and the first one went terribly, and the oh, second God. one wasn't so good. Can I and ask then, very quickly? Yes. How did it go terribly? Quickly. How yeah, did what it, happened? You know, how did it go terribly? I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm such a tease. But. I had to make this a two-parter. There is so much gold, so much filmmaking knowledge and wonderful nuggets for life on set. There was so little to cut out. And you're glad you heard all that Hollyoaks skins anecdotes, right? Plus Wallander and Sherlock. That's gold. Where are you going to hear that? So it could have been a three-parter. So you're lucky it's two parts. And you'll only have to wait until Friday. It's only a few days. If you're not listening to this on the Tuesday when it comes out as normal, then you can just click play, right, on the next one. You'll find out what happened during Ben's meeting for The Crown. In part two, there is so much Ben gives us from onset of The Crown. Plus, we get an exclusive. Yes, that's right. We get an exclusive. Um... I can't wait for you guys to hear part two. You're going to love it. Remember, like, share and subscribe. Do do that for us. It means a lot. And retweet. Go on our Twitter page and retweet us. We know you care. Until Friday, uh, have fun. Laters. Laters.